0: Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Cafe, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Thank you for stopping by the Business Growth Cafe today. I am Angelo Ponzi, your host here. We are going to have a really interesting conversation. I'm not sure I've actually had anybody on the show, maybe one other person but that was a couple years ago. We are going to go on a hunt. That's right, we are gonna go on a safari. And what we're looking for is the elusive influencer. That's right. We're gonna look and talk about influencers today and how you can use influencers in your marketing campaign. Now, primarily, I believe it's more on the B to C side. I, I, I'm really curious if we could use an influencer on the B to B side. But many cases, you're trading product and services uh, for their service. And frankly, if you have a SaaS product or the wa- wafer stepper that I worked on that cost a million dollars, kind of hard to send them a product to their apartment that might be bigger than their apartment. So, uh, but today on the show, I have Aaron Kozenitz. He is the founder of Influence Hunter. And we're going to talk about his program and how he works with influencers around the country, but more from a micro standpoint, if you will, and not really maybe the mainstream. And it's a really interesting concept, and and so I hope you stay tuned. This is gonna be a fascinating conversation. Guarantee you're gonna get some great insights and maybe spark some ideas on how you might use an influencer in your marketing campaign. But here's my commercial, hopefully to spark some ideas and how you might develop your strategic plan. Your strategic plans are essential to managing your business's growth. Spend the time to develop a cohesive roadmap to follow to ensure your entire team is moving in the right direction. These plans should take the insights and the brand strategy work you've already completed to help you achieve your long-term business and growth objectives, as well as keep you competitive. These are actionable plans and should include the details of achieving your growth, including tactical implementations, timelines, budgets, and KPIs for success. Developing your plan is a team sport. Make sure you include the stakeholders from each of your strategic departments in your organization, because everybody in the company is impacted by the success or failure of your plans. The following are six key questions to ask yourself. Do you have a clear understanding about what you're trying to achieve? Number two, what does your brand stand for in the eyes of your customers? Three, why do your customers buy from you? Four, what are your competitors doing? And five, what is your approach to sales? Where are your opportunities for revenue coming from? And number six, how can you differentiate yourself from your competition? Visit theponzigroup.com to learn more. As I mentioned, I'm talking to Aaron Kozenitz, founder of Influence Hunter. And we're here today to talk about influence marketing, specifically in the micro area. Aaron, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Angelo. Thank you for having me on. It's an honor to be here.
0: Yeah. So, you know, this is an interesting topic. I, I The last time I had someone on that we talked a little bit about influencer marketing was, was well over a year and a half ago, but you have a kind of a different twist to it, and so I'm excited to, to really dig in and explore this topic and, and what you do, but more importantly, how it can help my listeners. And so before we start, I always like to ask, why don't you take a little bit of time, tell the audience about you, your business, to kind of put things in context as we continue with the conversation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. A little bit about myself. Uh, I grew up in Canada. I lived most of my life bouncing around between Canada and the United States. I went to school down in Los Angeles at the University of Southern California, and it was while I was there. I was really brought into the whole influencer scene. So I was interning at a few different companies and it was right when influencer marketing was a pretty new term and everyone kind of wanted a way to get in on it. So at one of my jobs there, what I was doing was recruiting influencers for a company. It was a company called Tip Talk. It was kind of a similar idea to Cameo, if you've heard of it. And what we were doing is trying to find, they had me going out and trying to find influencers. And what I realized pretty quickly is that most of the companies in this space were really targeting the big companies where they could go and find these big influencers so it's these companies that would tell you know you could find these massive influencers and pay tens of thousands of dollars to get data on them and then tens of thousands of dollars to actually pay the influencers but there wasn't much out there for startups who really wanted to get started so i figured okay why don't i go and try and find a solution for companies of all sizes So what we started doing is reaching out to what are called micro or nano influencers in bulk. So generally, we'll reach out to hundreds or even thousands of influencers at a time in order to find the ones who will post just in exchange for a free product. From there, what we do is we measure the impact of each individual influencer in order to see who's actually performing well And we take the ones that are performing the best and turn them into long-term brand ambassadors of the company. And on top of that, we make sure that each influencer signs off on the rights to all the content created so that the company can repurpose that content for their social media, for their website, or even for their Facebook ads.
0: Okay. Well, you mentioned a whole lot of words. I'm not sure everybody in the, in the you know, universe here that listens to the show might understand them. So we're going to dig into those in a minute. But one question I, I like to ask all my guests is when you think about growing your business, mm-hmm. what keeps you up at night?
1: Huh. I'd say that there are so many companies in this industry that prey on the fact that companies know very little about this industry. I think most people, when they talk about influencer marketing, they don't know anything about it. They don't know any companies that do it. There's very little information out there to teach people. And a lot of companies as a result can get ripped off. So it's very often I hear people who think influencer marketing is a fraud, influencer marketing isn't effective, and you know they lose a lot of money. And I think what we really want to do and what keeps me up and keeps all of us motivated is trying to come up with a, a solution that works for everyone, not just the Fortune 500 companies who can pay the Kim Kardashian, but really figuring out a solution that works for company companies of all sizes and kind of level the playing field in what can be a really effective industry.
0: Okay. Well, I guess I better cross Kim off my list as a potential influencer then. So... Do- now, you focus on B2C, so business to consumers, e-commerce, and, and that makes sense to me. But do companies on the B2B side use influencers?
1: I would say that they can, and some do, and it can be effective. But it's really hard on the micro-influencer side, and it's really hard from a content perspective. So it's when they have a physical product, and it's an interesting physical product, you can give that to the influencers and they'll you know, want to post for you and want to be a part of your company. But if it's not, if it's more of like a, a service, you can find influencers and pay them to come on board and maybe that's effective, but it's tough to really have a good offer to that influencer that isn't monetary. So it's B2B is tough and I think it can be done right. It's probably not the best fit for the Micro influencer gifting approach is what I would say, though.
0: Yeah, so I would imagine. I mean, obviously, if uh, you're a manufacturer and your equipment costs a million dollars, it's kind of hard to uh, give a, a, an influencer a, a product to stick in their house, especially if it's the size of the house. The so let's let's stay high level a little bit. So, I mean, what does this person do? I mean, it's we talk about influencing, but you know, how do they build their rep? How do you, and, and to make them an effective influencer?
1: Yeah, so these are usually, when we talk about the micro-influencer space, usually people who are popular within a specific niche. So for example, a keto influencer talks about uh, a lot of their content is gonna be, you know, what do I eat in a day? How do I stay on the keto diet and, you know, and, and stick with it? And so the people following them are people who are interested in keto. So really, I think for them, it's finding out what your niche is, finding out who your target audience and what the kind of stuff they like is, and then just really sticking with that. So there's all sorts of different type of micro influencers and industries like you and I have never even heard of. But there's always, you know, there's there's people out there who are looking for content and looking for leaders in every type of industry. So, and that's really what I think micro influencers can do a good job at. And because their following isn't so big, they're also able to re engage with their fans. So, if their fans ask them a question about something that they posted, they can actually get back to them and, you know, let them give them personalized recommendations based on that. And, and that can help them continue to grow and really have kind of a realness aspect of, of what they do.
0: Okay. You use the term micro a lot, but you've also in your materials say nano. So why don't you talk about that for a second?
1: Yeah. So I think if you ask 10 different people in the influencer marketing industry, what a micro or a nano influencer is, you'd probably get 10 different answers. One that I've heard is micro is 10 to 100,000. Nano is one to 10,000. We don't really like to look at it based on that. What we really like to look at is is based on their overall engagement in terms of like how many people are engaging with their post. That's really where we draw the criteria here. And we kind of lump micro and nano into one segment, which is just our our gifting, uh, the gifting segment of our business. So the influencers that we're working with in exchange for free product first. And typically what that looks like is around 500 to 2,500 average engagements per post. And we kind of use the term micro slash nano influencer as one in the same, even though I usually nano are the really small people influencers and micro are a bit bigger than that.
0: Okay. Now, how do you measure? You, you talked about, you know, that I have a 2,500 or 10,000 followers or fans mm-hmm. and I reach out, but how are, how are you measuring measuring? Is it, is it based on the fact that you're seeing activity from this uh, influencer or you're, or it's sales driven? I mean, what's the criteria that you typically hear from a a customer? What makes sense?
1: Yeah, good question. So really what we're looking at is going to be based on the KPIs that the customer wants to hit. So to give you an example, I'll go over some of them, but engagements is a good one based on how many people are actually engaging with their content. Impressions reach to the total amount of people who are seeing the content and seeing the company. And then we also will give them discount codes and tracking links. So we can see when someone uses their unique discount code or if it's a tracking link and they do swipe up on Instagram story, we can see how many people have actually used that link. So how many website visitors and then we also measure the growth of their social media, which is not completely you know determined by the influencer but it can definitely help when you get influencers posting about you and then this is a really qualitative metric but an important one we actually look at all the content created and how good that content is so a lot of people are really using this as a way to get all this user generated content and can kind of reduce the cost of going out and hire hiring photographers and models and getting it from these influencers who are kind of semi professionals but actually using their product. So a lot of the time, some of the best influencers that they want to keep working with maybe don't have the best on some of the normal metrics that we look at, but they have the best content. And therefore, the brand wants to keep them on board and keep them happy for as long as possible.
0: So when you're working with a client, you have access to all this data? I mean, is that through... You working with the influencer once you decide who's going to be participating and you're tapping into their data or is this how do you aggregate all this? Because, you know, if you have 5000 influencers working on a project, you can't be tracking 5000 separate separate links, so to speak. How, how do you how do you how do you manage the measurement to, to for proof points?
1: Yeah. So I can tell you that at one point we tried to do that and it was a horrible manual process. Yeah. We eventually entered a partnership with a great company and I'll I'll shut them out because they uh, do a great job for us called Mighty Scout that helps us to their whole platform is just designed to be able to track influencers in bulk. So we are, you know, we have a partnership with them and we plug them in and we're able to see everything that each individual influencer has done, as well as keep track of all that content. So everything that the influencer posts. Even a story that deletes in 24 hours is saved through there, and then we can give the our clients a custom report that show them everything that has happened, what each influencer has done, and then all the content that they're able to repurpose.
0: Okay. You know, when, when I do branding work, and I always tell the client, it, it, especially depending on what stage they're at, it takes time to build a brand. And it takes time to, I would assume, to, to do what you're doing and to build – you know, get the influencers out there to start making an impact. What's a kind of a, for someone listening today, if they want to get into influencer marketing, what's a typical time frame that they need to give it? You know, I've I've dealt with people that say, well, you know, we ran this digital campaign and it didn't work. It's like, you've been running it for three weeks. You know, it's not enough time. We have to give it, you know, some, some time period, you know, to build and to, you know, Draw the awareness, whatever it happens to be. So, what's the kind of a time frame that someone needs to be aware of and be patient to let it bubble up, so to speak?
1: Yeah. So, typically we're working in six month iterations. And each time we do an outreach and launch a campaign, it takes around six weeks from start to finish. So, once we actually identify, you know, what type of influencers the company wants to work with. We then reach out to them, go back and forth, have them sign up on the, off on the content, ship them the product. Then people will start posting, but a lot of them will wait till it makes the most sense given their content schedule and each influencer is a little different. So it takes usually around six weeks from start to finish to really start to see those results. But from there, usually at the beginning of a campaign, we want to try a lot of different things. So we might try different influencer segments. We might try different platforms, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, really see what's working. And then we can hone in on that. So it takes a few iterations of that to really start to maximize the results. So by six months, we can usually get a really good indication of what the company is capable of, what they can do. And, and, and probably by about month four, you'll, you'll really know where to, to focus on and where to hone in on.
0: OK, how many I've seen a number and maybe it came from you, but, you know, hundreds of millions of influencers. I assume that's worldwide.
1: Yeah, that's worldwide. There's I think currently we have we track in our search engines over around over 100 million.
0: OK, so over 100 million. So it, now as you talked earlier, I mean, there's the the, the big that, you know, the Kim's of the world that are that are being an influencer but you're looking at micro and influencers how do you how many of those and how do you find them frankly if i wanted to go find an influencer network today and i assume there are networks i i honestly i wouldn't even know where to begin because that's not something i do i spend a little more time on the b2b side so how do how do you do it and, and how can people a business really think about you know launching a campaign and where do they find these folks
1: yeah, well, maybe this will be productive. Why don't you tell me what's a B2C brand that you like? And then maybe I'll, I'll walk you through exactly what we look for there.
0: All right. So I was working with a company that we, we ended up, long story short, we ended up not launching the campaign, but it was a toy company mm-hmm. and they made cars that could be assembled. So it's kind of a kit. Once you got the kit, you could start buying tires and you know you could modify the car. It was a hundred dollar car, but it was the target audience was twelve and under, you know, five to twelve. So there's there's my case.
1: Okay, cool. So there's a few different things we look for here. So the first are the big influencer segments that we'd want to go after. So I would name a few, and then you can tell me if they work. So I would guess that this is going to be a play with moms. Is that is that correct? Is that someone you'd want to target? Absolutely. And then maybe car influencers or automobile influencers or uh, anyone in that
0: space. Possibly. Possibly maybe in the model car area, right?
1: Okay. Well, we can stick with maybe moms as like the over the the big influencer segments that would really apply to this. And then we can go into next. We we look for niche keywords that the influencer is either using in like as a hashtag or putting in their captions. So what you would do is the client is is give me, a, you know, maybe 10 keywords that you think would be relevant here. So maybe toy is one that's relevant. Maybe car is one that's relevant. I don't know. Perhaps perhaps you can think of some more. And that's, those two usually can give us a good baseline to start with. And then if you've tried this in the past or you are, you know, follow influencers that you think are good fits, what you can do is you would give us over a list or even just a handful of influencers that kind of fit that criteria. And then we use something that can basically extrapolate a huge list based on like the similar profile feature. So we'll plug in a few different influencers. And based around the people that follow them, what they do, what their audience is, we can then pull up hundreds more influencers that are similar to that. And then beyond that, we also everything we segment based on what you're looking for. So if you want only in the USA, influencers with a 10, 10 to 50,000 followers that get between 500 to 2,500 average engagements and are in California and New York and Texas. We will then automatically filter that so all of the searches that we do can only meet those criteria. And then we'll generate these big lists that we will do for the influencer outreach.
0: Okay. Do you do you vet these folks or is the vetting done by giving them, you know, the first assignment? How do you vet them? Do they just fit the criteria? I mean
1: So it depends on the campaign. For some campaigns, the the client wants this in as many hands as possible, get as many people to see it, and the way that we vet is based on their performance. So if it's something that maybe cost them, you know, under ten dollars landed and they have extra inventory they just want as many people to get it as possible. Now, if we're working with bigger influencers, and perhaps we're having to pay them up front, then we're going to vet them in more detail. And we're going to look at, you know, first of all, we always try and make sure that every influencer we work with has a real following. So some influencers will buy followers, but we're able to see for each influencer, what percent of their following is actually real, or what percent of their following is active. So if someone say deleted their Instagram 2 years ago and hasn't done it hasn't been on since then they would be categorized as the same as a fake or bought follower just because they're no longer active so we make sure that every influencer we work with has 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 almost all active followers and then we can really look at diff- their audience the different interests that they have and the type of content that they have and then we also have an engagement calculator so based on their past engagements based on how many impressions, their stories get, which we can get that data from the influencer, what they're actually worth. So usually we'll reach out to a number of influencers, get quotes from all of them when we're working with bigger influencers. And then the ones who, based on our calculator, make the most sense and are most aligned with what the client wants as an influencer, those are the ones that we'll work with.
0: Okay. How how does a company... Budget. I mean, it's, when you're doing with the with with the you know the, the influencers that you're dealing with, is it usually just a product swap for for services, or is it product plus dollars? I mean, how does how would I tell my clients that I'm putting together a program for? Here's how we're going to budget for an influencer campaign.
1: Yeah. So great question. I think it really really depends on the client. So the the toy company you described, it sounds like. You know, their product's a little bit more expensive, right? I wouldn't recommend going to our gifting campaign where we're gonna get this in the hands of hundreds of people because they're gonna end up having to spend so much money on the inventory that they gotta be more careful with who they work with. So, in that case, I would go straight towards a paid campaign and really it would depend on their budget and their goals, what they wanna get out of it, what we would recommend. So, like I said, our goal is really to come up with a solution that works for everyone. So we try and really customize our offers to the company and what actually makes sense to them as opposed to just walking them through the same three packages that we that we offer everyone. So I know that that's kind of vague in terms of like what I would recommend but I, I, I would say that it just really really has to be personalized on a case to-case basis as to what makes the most sense. If the the product isn't that expensive, I usually recommend that they start. With the gifting package so that they can really figure out what's working for them first of all is influencer marketing effective for them and second of second of all which influencers are actually performing well for them like which you know if they try mom fitness and fashion influencers well after a couple months we can tell okay moms are working the best and they try instagram and TikTok, and we can say okay TikTok is actually where we want to focus our efforts but then once we allocate a budget towards paying some of these bigger influencers, we know which ones to pay based on the data that we learned from these micro-influencers just in exchange for free products. So we didn't have to go out and gamble a few thousand dollars to learn. We gambled with free product, and then we can adjust accordingly.
0: Okay. Is there any, in your experience, you would say, these are the the best types of companies, products services that you have seen work really well
1: so we do a lot of work in like the health and wellness food and beverage space but we've also you know there's a few main industries that we work in that have done really well so i'd say like health and wellness fashion beauty and actually surprisingly i never thought this when we started this out but home decor and pet space are very big for influencers so we've done done well in those spaces I don't know if it's the space that really matters. I think it's all about the company. I think it's usually this works best if the company has something a little different uh, and cool that the influencer can get behind, maybe has a cool mission behind it too, and that the influencer is is proud to be a part of because they're working just in exchange in, in terms of the gifting for free product at first. So the reason they'd want to do that is because it's a company that they want to get behind. So any company that has something unique, has a great mission. Those are the types of companies that work best. And it has to be in an industry where there's enough influencers. Uh, it can't be like, for example, I don't think fishing would work particularly well because I don't think we'd be able to find enough fishing influencers, although I could be wrong. I, I haven't haven't tried that yet.
0: The, I'm just curious. Have you ever worked with someone in the alcoholic beverage industry or is that a, an industry that doesn't work?
1: So we have, but there are some legality issues around gifting, gifting that, and, and also the fear of accidentally giving it to minors. Although we can we can be pretty careful in terms of targeting there. We've done we worked with we've worked with an alcohol beverage company that had weed and THC in their products as well. And kind of a way that some people get around that is they actually can't gift it. The influencers have to purchase it but you can give them a really good discount to purchase it. So that's the same in in the alcohol as well as kind of the, the weed industry, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So we've done a little bit there, although in terms of like kind of these sort of taboo segments, CBD is one that is really popular right now in, uh, in the influencer industry.
0: Okay. Uh, Another curiosity question, but like, like, So my marketing services probably wouldn't make sense because I'm selling a, you know, strategic marketing to companies, but on my podcast, would influencer marketing work to promote my podcast out of curiosity?
1: Perhaps, but the content would be tough, right? Because they wouldn't have a physical product to promote your podcast to promote. And there's no real way to incentivize them besides a monetary payment. So I think once we get, like, I always think that the campaigns will perform better if there's some, if one, they have a easy way to promote content. And two, there's some other incentive there that's not just monetary because otherwise they'll drive the prices up, you know, whereas if they're getting something else they like, they might be willing to work for a lot less because they also want the product. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So services tend to be a little more difficult than than physical products. I think so. I think,
1: you know, maybe there are people out there that have figured out a good way to do services. I would say that we haven't yet. We're really focused more on B2C and we'd love to, I'd love to figure out a way to do it, you know, even market ourselves too, because we don't, we don't use ourselves to, to market ourselves, but I've yet to crack the code as to how to do this for services.
0: Yeah. Well, interesting. Maybe we'll do that as a, a side project together. So tell me a success story, but I'm also going to ask you to tell me one that didn't quite work and why.
1: Yeah. And, and both are fair. I, I actually always like to tell clients best in best and worst case what will happen. So I like this one as a success story. We've had bigger companies that have done bigger numbers, but, they were doing well beforehand but we actually worked with a company called Quavos so what they do is they created a chip made completely out of egg whites so high in fiber high in protein low in carbs and and i think they're delicious personally and what we and they were a couple of college students when they started out so really just starting out and didn't have a lot of other marketing digital marketing activities going on. So they were really focused on influencers. They thought that that would be what could help them. Uh, and so we would gift each influencer who wanted to be a part of it, a six pack of Quavos. And they were almost immediately, the influencers all loved it. It was, it was a huge hit. And we were able to get them hundreds and hundreds of influencers. I think we we're getting them around two to 300 influencers per posting about them, got them all over. They were able to reuse that content for their social media, which spiked and also were able to reuse it for ads and it grew to a point where they actually recently were featured on Shark Tank and got a deal done there. So it was pretty cool to watch it come full circle from you know them as a true startup to you know, they're not a big company now, but they're they're starting to become pop up all and all over the place.
0: They got a shark. That sounds good.
1: They did. It was the founder of Kind, Daniel Lebetsky, he was a guest shark, but pretty pretty relevant to their industry.
0: Sure, no, absolutely. That's great. I love that. All right. Now tell me one that didn't quite work out the way it was planned and and why.
1: Yeah, I mean I won't name any any names here.
0: Yeah, no names, no names.
1: Yeah, no names, but it was right when we were starting out, you know, we had some really good case studies and really good clients that I think we made the mistake of assuming that was just repeatable with every company. So we were working with someone who was a true startup and saying, yeah, this is what we did for you know, a company that wasn't a true startup and that we, we had done really well with. And we, we weren't lying, but we kind of made them, led them believe that they were going to achieve the same results almost right away. We started doing it. First of all, not as many of the influencers wanted to be a part of it. So it was a little harder to recruit the influencers. And then their fulfillment process was really slow. So it took them about three to four weeks to actually give the influencers the product. And a lot of the influencers became annoyed and they, not as many posts came in as we said we were going to get, not as many sales came in as what we had in the case study. And the founder, you know, really, really wanted kind of immediate results. And we hadn't pitched it as something that was going to take time because, you know, we were just starting the company. So So that really didn't go well, but I'm glad we had one early on after we'd had some successes that really didn't go well as it taught us the importance of expectation setting and promising deliverables that we can really meet. So like, you know, the amount of influencers that we can get on board for them, the amount of influencers that we can reach out to, the amount of impressions and people that are going to see it versus just selling you know, things like sales, which are so heavily, completely reliant on the company and, you know, how well they actually convert.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, well, I mean, we have that situation, too. It's it's like dealing with an organization. It's like, well, what can you guarantee me? So like, I can't guarantee you anything. I can guarantee you this. I can't necessarily guarantee you the revenue because it's out of my hands at that point in time. Once I get the lead there or whatever, building the awareness If your people aren't executing and doing the things they're supposed to do, how do do you measure that? And so I was talking to this one leader, and he was pushing the guarantee part. And I said, well, there's only one way I can guarantee it. If you want the guarantee, I'll give it to you. And he said, how's that? I said, you need to make me the CEO. I need your job. And then I can guarantee that everybody will do what I need them to do. And And he laughed. And he said, okay, I get it. I get it. I just, there's just too many moving parts, especially in a, you know, in a product situation or you've got an outside sales force. Ultimately, unless you're going with everybody, you don't know how they're presenting. You don't know the stories they're telling. So many times, well, when we're, you know, working on programs and we talk to the the teams and ask them, tell me about the brand. There's 10 people, there's 10 different stories. And, you know, how's that possible? You're all selling the same company the same products and services, and yet you all have 10 different ways to position it. So we do a lot, you know, for our company, we do a lot of internal work as well because I believe that it's not only about external marketing, it's about internal marketing as well. So did did 2020 help or hurt your business?
1: I would say it, it greatly helped my business. First of all, I, I graduated in 2019. So 2020 was really the first year I could devote to this. But almost immediately, it, once the pandemic started, companies were like, okay, we need to shift to digital. What are new ways that we can go reach, influence, or reach, reach our target customer? And influencer marketing, which is still relatively new compared to other digital marketing initiatives, is one that a lot of people look to. And... We, you know, we got a lot of people who would refer us because they, you know, we were like the micro influencer marketing company. And then, yeah, we, we grew very rapidly over the course of oh, course of the pandemic going from, you know, just me when it first started to we have a team of 10 people at the moment. So
0: and oh, that's great. That's great growth. Yeah, yeah.
1: Congratulations on that. I appreciate that. Yeah. I think, you know, it was tough, tough personally. And tough for you know a lot of companies out there. I really feel for them, but it was really good for people in my space. You know, like the online marketing industry is it was booming. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you, so that's 2020. Mm-hmm. Who do you see for Q2, three, and four here in 21?
1: I think that it, it's just continued, and I think part of that wasn't just the pandemic. I think influencer marketing as a whole is going to I, I always penciled 2022 as the year it just became a, like the biggest part of or you know mainstream where every single company needs an influencer marketing budget. and it's already on the way there. but there's a lot of different directions that the industry is headed. One I think is interesting and in that more and more companies are starting to do and, and we've made a, a bigger part of our company is utilizing the influencers, Facebook accounts to run ads as the influencers. So if you find, say, a micro-influencer that, you know, it resonated really well and they created great content and the 6,000 people that they were able to promote that content to, it really did well with them. Well, now you can, you know, pay them, get access to their Facebook account and promote it to millions of people by using ad spend. And it's coming as the influencer, not as the company. So it appears way more natural. I mean, When you see it, it's just an influencer reviewing a product. It doesn't even look like an ad. Now, me or you could probably put that together. Okay, that's obviously the company spending paid media there. But the average consumer is not thinking about that. They just see a cool an ad from an influ or an influencer reviewing a a cool product. They're more likely to click on it. So I think that that is a large part of where the industry is headed and something that we want to focus on more.
0: That's that's interesting. That that I I like that. That's that's a way to get it out there without having to appear the company is just running Facebook ads versus maybe whatever 10 micro influencers running and talk running ads but talking about the product. That that's great. Yeah, I would I could see that actually going pretty well, and I would imo- imagine that'll also go from Facebook to Instagram to to all the others, right, as you start to build out because that makes sense, right? Because you're you're connecting with the influencer because you're you're a fan. And you're listening to them and want their content. And so, yeah, that's good. I like that. Very, very smart. Very smart. So as we're kind of winding down here, is there is there anything that when it comes to influencer marketing that I, I haven't talked about that we haven't talked about that you want to kind of chime in on to, that you feel that the audience needs to understand?
1: Yeah, I think we've, we've covered a good amount. I would just say if you're new to influencer marketing, be careful because if you reach out to you know some of your favorite influencers and they quote you, you know, 500, 2,000, 5,000, it's really easy to just say yes, yes, yes. All of a sudden, glow through whatever your influencer marketing budget was and then just determine that maybe influencer marketing isn't effective. But I would say that you just have to be really careful because it can be really effective but you've got to figure out what's working for you and you got to understand that not everyone you reach out to is the perfect influencer for you not all of those rates that the influencers quote you with are necessarily set in stone you know if you're going to pay them that they will take that but they will most likely take considerably less so i would say try influencer marketing with a budget that you're comfortable with and really try and do a few different things so you can figure out what works for
0: you and what doesn't. Okay, great advice. Actually, that was going to be one of my last questions is give me some pieces of advice. You've already done that. That's great. So my last question then is, what inspires you? What gets you out of bed in the morning?
1: I would say it's being able to help my clients and and lead my team. I mean, it's come a long way from, you know, you're you're a business owner as well. It's one thing when you're just doing it for yourself to try and, try and make ends meet. But it's another when other people are actually relying on you. So I feel like, you know, at the moment, it's 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 a lot of pressure because your clients are relying on you, especially we work with lots of start. We work with some bigger companies, but we also work with lots of true startups who this is a a core part of what they're doing. So to help them be able to grow their company and also to help, you know, my 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 colleagues to continue to do a good job and. And grow their career you know it's a it's a young company with a lot of young people and really just trying to trying to help everyone that's that's really what gets me out of bed every day
0: all right well fantastic this has been a very interesting conversation i i i really appreciate all the insights that you've given i know that this is kind of a a niche within the kind of the marketing world and as digital transformation has taken over, especially exploded in 2020, more and more companies are moving that. I mean, you have to move there. You have to be online. You know, I, I, I tell my clients, it's not a it's not a matter of when, and please don't go online with a, with a website that looks like your brochure. I mean, your customers are doing their research. They're spending a lot of time on the Internet. And if you don't have a strong presence and you're not delivering the content they need, they're going to go to somebody else. They may never actually pick up the phone to call you. So this is just another component. I love this. This is really exciting. So, Aaron, why don't you tell the audience, you know, how they can reach you and and all your contact and the LinkedIn and the websites and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. If you want to reach me, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Aaron Kozenetz. My last name is a little confusing, K-O-Z-I-N-E-T-S. You can email at info at influencehunter.com. Or you can fill out a form on the website, which is influencehunter.com. Always open to having a conversation if you're, you know, looking to grow your influence in marketing, or even if you just want advice as to what you should do if you're handling internally. Always happy to hop on a call and help anyone out in the spaces. There's a, a lot of misinformation out there right now.
0: Yeah, you know, it, 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 and I, I encourage you, my listeners, to to really take him up on this offer because it's just like digital marketing. You know, one of the common things that I hear about, you know, paid media, so to speak, is it just didn't work. And, and a lot of companies, have, you know, they're on their third digital agency and they've had horrible experiences. And so I'm not saying that every digital agency is that way. Don't get me wrong. I don't want a lot of hate mail coming in later on today. But the point is that it, you really have to understand and have clarity of what you're getting yourself into. And, and a lot of companies have had bad experiences. And to your point, a lot of companies go into this because somebody tells them they need to, they're they're not doing it and working it properly and they find that it didn't work and they blame the kind of the category of influencers versus maybe they just made a bad, you know, had a bad project set up or the thing, the thing wasn't set up correctly. So again, I, I encourage all of you to, to really think about this and to, Make sure that you're, just like any project, thinking it through. Be more strategic. You know that's how I talk. Be strategic, not be in a hurry to get to the tactical to make sure that uh, your strategic's in line so your tactical is effective. Aaron, thank you so much for this. This is great. And I really appreciate your time today and sharing all this great information.
1: Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on today, Angela.
0: Absolutely. Good luck, and I'm sure we'll be in touch in the future.
1: Awesome. Yeah, this was, this was great. I really appreciate it. Okay, take care. You have a good one. Bye.
0: Aaron, thank you t- for taking time out of your busy schedule today. This was a really interesting conversation. I, I know I walked away with a lot of insights. You saw I was kind of hinting, could I use it in influence marketing and in my, promoting my podcast or maybe my marketing services? Probably not going to work for me, but I've worked with a lot of B2B companies, or I mean B2C companies, and it definitely has an application there. So you listeners, hopefully you can apply this. You can really think about how you might factor in influencer marketing into your campaigns. You can find it's really a fascinating approach and and you can see how exponentially it can really benefit your organization. So thank you for joining us today and stopping by the cafe. If you are a subscriber, thank you very much. I really appreciate you coming back and listening to the show. If you are, please let others know about this great content like we heard today with Aaron and really other shows here at the Business Growth Cafe. I think I'm pushing close to 140 now. I'm in, as you know, into my mid third year. And I continue to come back because of the great advice that we're getting from the marketplace that can help you in your business growth. So thank you again for joining me here at the cafe. And I hope to see you here next week at the Business Growth Cafe. Thank you for listening to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.